Greetings. Welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Ontic's Chief Security Officer. From 30 years as a military officer and over 25 transforming corporate security teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protective strategies through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, on to the discussion. The ongoing situation in the Red Sea presents a significant challenge for the international community. Escalating attacks by Yemeni Houthi rebels on commercial vessels disrupt critical trade routes, raising concerns about regional stability and economic impact. Joining us today to navigate this complex issue is Insight Forward's founder, Ross Hill. Ross brings a wealth of experience and expertise to the discussion. He has honed his skills over 15 years holding senior positions within leading consultancies and multinational corporations. Ross shares his knowledge through industry events and networks as a recognized thought leader. Beyond technical expertise, Ross emphasizes the importance of real-world insights and accurate forecasting. His analysis goes beyond informing immediate decisions, which is vital to shaping future strategies. Ross Hill, welcome to the Antic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Hi, Chuck. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really, really great to join you. Yeah, I feel like I just saw you. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> but I feel like we just talked enough, about... Just talked about this? Yeah, yeah. Funny that. Uh, yeah, so actually, timely, I guess you could say, for us to, to record having mm-hmm. been that we've just seen each other in the UK... Just talked about this issue in the Red Sea, shipping attacks, and as we try to decipher the geopolitical implications and get some ideas about the path forward, is it stability? Is it turmoil? What should we think about it? You know, immediately thought about you, um, insights forward to kind of help tell us what we should think about and and, and lay some uh, and lay some groundwork. Um, I'm just going to go right into it, Ross. I mean, okay. what are, you know, beyond disrupting of shipping, what are the broader strategic objectives of the Red Sea and the goals of the Houthis? Yeah, that's become quite an interesting question, actually. When the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza started, you know, the Houthis came out, started targeting shipping, uh, said it was in support of, of Hamas in Gaza and the Palestinian um, people, uh, and then they would continue those attacks as, as long as that war continued, which is what they're showing they're doing at the moment. But what's become clearer more recently is that their goals do seem to be uh, changing slightly, um, mm-hmm. with the Houthis really looking at gaining more legitimacy in Yemen with the actions that they're carrying out uh, and and kind of also in the region as well. Uh, since the attacks, you know, it does seem that they've become domestically more popular. Um, and so they're looking to kind of solidify their support uh, at home in the areas that they control. And also, you know, maybe now they're thinking that they can use the threat of their attacks, which are having that kind of global impact or maybe mm-hmm. gaining some advantage in kind of negotiations domestically, particularly, say, with Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia's kind of military intervention in Yemen, uh, and also maybe around kind of getting more international aid into the country, you know, terrible humanitarian crisis caused by the civil war in Yemen. And and I think the Houthis would like to see some kind of international support there. And and they are having 
kind of a, a regional and noticeable impact beyond those attacks. You know, you've started to see, let's say, pro-Palestinian protests in the West, people kind of chanting, you know, stop bombing Yemen. Um, right. So it's come to kind of people's, you know, notice of, of what's going on, really. And then outside of kind of those, their own kind of uh, domestic interests and regional kind of interests, you know, one of the things they're talking about now is, is ending that influence of the US and the US presence in the Middle mm-hmm. East. And and that's, you know, one of the main areas in which we see kind of those Houthi and Iran, Iran kind of goals, you know, really align against, against the US and Israel in the region. Beyond that, do you think the Houthi goals align with Iran's regional interests in, in what's happening there? I mean, it's interesting. I think, you know, we, we've had, uh, we had a lot of US presence in the Middle East uh, one might say for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, post nine 11. And that somewhat has pulled back at least, you know, on, on the, on the open front. Do you see something like this as, as a potential, uh, resurgence of American forces, American influence, American, um, boots on the ground, so to speak. Well, I, I don't know about American boots on the ground. I mean, it's a massive test of, in, of the U.S. coalition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a significant test of U.S. security guarantees in the region. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the real thing you're kind of looking at is, you know, how far can the U.S. go in supporting Israel and its other allies in the region and guarantee their security against Iran and, and say, Iran's proxies or the axis of resistance or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, because that has broader ramifications uh, on US security guarantees in in the Asia Pacific in Eastern Europe with Ukraine and it, there's some severe tests on US policy at the moment you know, continually we see both Iran and the US say well we don't want a regional conflict but they're kind of they're basically fighting each other anyway but just not in we're Iran not, or US we're not stating it, but it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> if we state it, therefore it is. And then the ramifications of that statement, you know, words have meaning. Um, yeah. And those yeah, meanings yeah, yeah. have second and third orders of effects, for sure. Exactly. So it's sort of like it's a careful sort of tightrope that's being walked at the moment on both sides of, you know, how much, how much can, how far can Iran go in pursuing its goal of really trying to push the US out of the Middle East, you know, one right. of its overall kind of like main main strategies. And how far can then the US push back in terms of guaranteeing the security of its of its partners there? Um, you know, all, all under the context of the Israel Hamas war, where uh, Netanyahu, you know, to today or, or yesterday refusing to accept a ceasefire deal that not mm-hmm. looking very likely at the moment, looking like continuation of a prolonged conflict. You know, the Netanyahu has some domestic issues that he's dealing with in the context of the war as well. So in terms of like a complex interwoven kind of issue, this is, you know, about as fun as it gets. Well, yeah, and smack dab in the middle of all that is multinational organizations who are in the middle of the that washing machine, if you will. Um, yeah. Well, of issues, you know, trying trying to navigate it, the Red Sea. It certainly is something 
to note. And as as I think we we should probably get into it later, but like you know the second and third orders effect of the lagging crisis and what that means down the road. But yeah, I, I want to ask about evolving capabilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, Houthi's growing military capabilities. They're getting more sophisticated using drones. They're using missiles. Um, what does this escalation mean for regional security threats? Yeah, the yeah. So the the DIA actually and just declassified a report, you know, showing that increased kind of military ties between Iran and the Houthis. So Houthis getting more advanced drones and other weaponry uh, from Iran, uh, and that just makes them more of a of a threat in the region. You know that. They already had the capability to target shipping. They already had the capability to target, say, you know, Saudi Arabian oil infrastructure, that kind of thing. Increased, you know, military capability as supplied by Iran. Uh, you know, we just have that as as a growing a growing threat. Yeah, interesting. Especially that the the classified report came in my inbox. I'm looking forward to reading it on the plane on the way home. I mean. Yemen starts to become an important regional actor, as you indicate. And, you know, they already threatened Saudi, but now maybe a better access to weapons. I mean, something else I've seen as well in the news, Ross, is the undersea cable articles, which is not I mean, I I don't think is an actual new issue, but it's yeah. newly resurfaced, if you will. I have some thoughts as to why that may, might resurface. I don't can you shed any light on this for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was some reports. Uh, I think it was Sea Tech uh, um, released a report around the end of December um, last year, you know, about the Houthi threat to undersea cables, uh, and that that was because we were seeing some some kind of uh, reports on social media of that, and then it sort of disappeared. Uh, but in the last yeah. few days, that's come back again, and I think. There seems to have been, you know, the Houthis actually releasing a a threat on one of their uh, linked Telegram channels, you know, saying that they could target those. Uh, I mean, I I don't have the technical specifications of the undersea cables in the region, honestly. I haven't had a look. Generally, those cables are are pretty deep, you know, hundreds of meters deep on the seafloor. So to actually have the capability to target those I think I'm not sure the Houthis have that. Honestly, they would have no, to. I mean, with somebody. Yeah, they absolutely. I, I also wonder since we saw the cabling issue in the the Russia Ukraine war, is that now you know? Hey, it's in in a world where again words have meaning and information warfare is just as important as the physical aspect. Just merely throwing out there that we're thinking or doing does that create any consternation? Does it create any? uh worries i guess or or you know disrupt anything that's that's going on i agree though like capability wise you got to get someone down there or something down there could be a drone could be many things mm-hmm. it's got to be able to do what it says it's going to do and it's not like it's just uh you know I, I think they're a little hardier than one thinks yeah i mean i suppose you know maybe you could i i guess the the way they normally get done then they normally get done by tra- fishing trawlers and stuff mm-hmm. So, so I guess you know, if you knew exactly where they were, you could probably drag an anchor across it or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a possibility. My, my knowledge. Yeah, of I haven't. That is- I, I mean, I haven't seen any more articles out other than the same ones you probably have yeah. too, talking about, you know, that yeah. C Tech article and then the Telegram issue. 
but I, but I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying overall in, in the sense of, you know, the, the Houthis would have seen the, the disruption they've been able to cause by their attacks on shipping, which, you know, they haven't sunk a ship and appear to have caused, you know, hugely significant damage to any ships there, but they've essentially, you know, sort of shut down, you know, or at least partly shut down, you know, one of the world's key shipping routes um, mm-hmm. with with their the, with their activity. So, you know, threatening then, you know, data cables is another way of of just kind of showing like this is this is how disruptive we can be. Um, yeah. We can be, a, you know, we're essentially we can be a global actor from a very limited scale. Well, and I mean, we we talked about this before. I mean, personally, you know, the idea of information when you throw all this in here, cyber, all these other asymmetric risks that can be thrown in into the the mixture, if you will. And it, you're right; it is somewhat makes when we get on the playground and it comes blow to blow. That's a different story. But before we get mm-hmm. to the playground, it's a it's an equalizing um, element information data all those things can say hey i can cause disruption without even leaving my my living room yeah um, uh, yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know the the days of of warfare as you know organized battalions on battlefields only are sort of long gone aren't they you know we're in this constant state of of conflict essentially well, and i think there's something interesting in this as well in terms of shaping the environment you know there's an old saying in in uh, information operations that phase zero is shaping and everything is phase zero so you're you're constantly shaping as well look i'm um i'm a regional i'm a regional player here why because i told you and i'm telling yeah. you and yeah, i yeah. keep telling you how dangerous i am i don't think this is you and i saying things are dangerous people are dangerous organizations uh and and uh activists you know can be very dangerous but I mean, I can state I'm dangerous too. And maybe as a result of that, I start building a branch around myself about, you know, a mm. regional player. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a really good that point. Lines, I mean, that control of narrative. Yeah. Yeah. The control of there. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Thinking about like the region and shifting alliances and stuff. I mean, what's your thoughts on regional powers like Saudi Arabia, UAE, Iran, all adjusting adjusting maybe their their grand strategies or or like near-term strategies as a result of what's happening there and what the hoodies are doing the flashpoints yeah, yeah i mean you know in terms of in terms of saudi arabia i mean it, it's largely you know tried to stay out of it um you know a big part of that being that you know the houthis have had have targeted saudi territory before and and you know, would likely do it again if Saudi were were to kind of become directly involved uh, in in trying to contain um, what they're doing. So, you know, I, I think this is why we see the US and the UK, you know, taking the lead. We have the countries that we do within the naval operation there. You know, that's you know reasonably well calculated around around those kind of risks, and then. For somebody like Iran, I mean, it's again, it's just become a, a good way to, you know, fit part of their narrative and their strategy. You know, it's uh, opportunistic is the wrong word, but you know, the ability to use the the Israel Hamas war to further Iran's strategic aims in the region. You know, they're doing they're doing quite a good job of being able to do that using their proxies to 
to attack U.S. military uh, bases and uh, U.S. military assets in in the region already. Um, so I, th- I think you know it, it does fit in with the with the shaping of of that regional strategy. Uh, you know, and there's lots of there's lot lots of parts to this. And one of the things we've been looking at recently are kind of what's China's involvement likely to be. You know, China yeah. typically stays directly out of it. Directly out of it, but indirectly. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of black channel discussions like, hey, this ship is flagged. Yeah. No, we, we would prefer you <laughs> you not mess with that. But yeah. I've even heard there's been some, some, uh, some missteps around that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, China... You know, China is having some definite economic difficulties in terms of of kind of an economic recovery at the moment, um, and so the disruption to shipping, which you know one of the main routes from Asia, uh, or to, you know to and from Asia, you know, and so Chinese ships now having to travel further, or ships you know going to China traveling traveling much further, so you know that increases prices for China. Uh, you know, potentially fueling in, in, inflation in China. Well, that's sort of not so much of an issue because of China's sort of deflationary pressures at the moment. But the economy is really suffering in China at the moment, and anything that harms their kind of trade is is not really very good. And we have seen some reports of you know, Chinese fish, officials apparently urging Iran to pressure the Houthis to kind of curb their attacks. But then, yeah. you know, you do have to somewhat consider, you know. Does Iran have a full grip on the group to make them stop completely? Uh, I, I, I mean, honestly don't know. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you about the Ontics Center for Connected Intelligence. In the world of safety, security and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. The center is a hub for the ongoing exchange of security strategies and best practices, insights on current and past trends, and sharing valuable learnings through expert discussion and analysis. It's made up of seasoned experts with decades of experience across a wide range of disciplines. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center that's ontic.co backslash center well i I think there's an interesting conversation here too like what do the hoodies want Mm. you know is there a is there a role where they say hey look you know people have come in and and tried to bomb us out of existence it didn't work we're still here now maybe there's a moment where there's galvanized leadership and it says, maybe it's, maybe we are something, maybe we step forward. Maybe, maybe we're, you know, we're uh, encouraged by ac- actions in, in the region, which allow us maybe to come in and, and assume some leadership. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm not booty leadership, obviously, but I mean, I, I, I consider these things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting points. Uh, what about intelligence gaps? I mean, we think, you know, there's always critical challenges, you know, we're thinking, you know, the obvious question is if the war in Gaza ends, do the hoodies stop or do we, you know, or if we get a prolonged ceasefire, although, as you said earlier, that's, you know, that, that doesn't look likely in the near term. I mean, 
are there any gaps or any 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 of these questions that you're you're considering yeah i mean from my my point of view i mean i'll be honest and say you know if the war in gaza ended tomorrow would the houthis stop i honestly i don't know um you know we've spoken already you know about them understanding the impact they're able to have on a global and regional scale Mm -hmm. given them given what's happening with the civil war in yemen and them trying to consolidate or, or increase their you know influence there you know that make that makes you think well what 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 motivation do they have to stop those attacks yeah. at the moment? You know, the, the naval mission led by the U S and, and is having, you know, it, it's had some successes in kind of shooting down missiles and drones, but it's not stopping the attacks. Uh, same with the U S and UK airstrikes, you know, they don't appear to have sufficiently degraded the capability to prevent the attacks. And and then remember, like, you know, as you said, Saudi, basically tried to bomb them out of existence. I, I think I read somewhere it's like 25,000 airstrikes against them in Yemen and they're just as capable as, as they were, but probably more capable than they were at the beginning of, of the civil war in Yemen. So, you know, it, it feels like there's not a lot of reasons for them to actually stop and, and, and actually, they can then try and use it as leverage to kind of maybe get what they want regionally and well, that, internationally. And I think that's a big question there is like in terms of what, okay, do we have, you know, we have immediate goals and then maybe those goals shift into a long-term goal or they're they're leading into some uh, grander strategy that the Houthis might have in terms of, yes, gaining attention and in, in, in using it as a way to to get aid or get, you know, something to happen. I mean, that's interesting. I was just going to say, and you know, it isn't like they'd never targeted shipping there before. No, no, yeah, they've done, not. They've done it before. So, so yeah. when you say, so also when we talk about it stopping, I mean, I suppose we talk about it stopping at the frequency at which it's occurring yeah. now is maybe. Oh, I think, yeah, absolutely. It. And thanks for that because you're right. This, these types of issues, this isn't just like a brand new issue. We've experienced these before. We will experience them again. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's an important passage. It's an important economic passage. I mean, think about this. I mean, what, what do you, uh, let's just think, you know, in all of this, again, you have corporations, organizations, multinationals, all playing a role in this. I just don't mean U.S. based, you know, European based, Middle Eastern based multinationals. I mean, what about Egypt alone? Think of, I mean, if we think about the implications to both economies and corporations alike, within that region i mean what are your thoughts about you know about the effects to to the corporate world or the organization world i guess if you will yeah uh, you know i suppose you know when you talk about the direct impacts of the attacks i mean unless you're a shipping company or you know you're you're within that those specific sectors and and those specific supply chain routes and and things like that you know you have those obvious direct impacts that have, have been going on you know, since November or so. Um, but for a lot of multinationals, you know, it really is those kind of second and third order effects, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of the impacts those attacks are having. Um, so I think, you know, we can look at inflation. Uh, you know, we were we were probably at a point or coming towards a point 
of of maybe peak inflation, so to speak, where inflation levels appear to be kind of coming down in in most places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I think we have to consider that there's some kind of like lagging effect here of yeah. of the shipping routes. Um, you know, it's no, not- you're absolutely right. I mean, we tend to look at the new. I think most people listening to podcasts may probably don't. But many tend to look at the news and they think in terms of the like this has an immediate effect. Like, is this happening? What can we do? And a lot of these things, we're not going to we're not going to fully feel this for six to maybe eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a you know along along because you know even even if the the frequency of the attacks did reduce, you know, I suppose it would depend on the risk appetite of the companies. But you know, how quickly do they go back to using that route? Again, uh, maybe that depends on kind of the security guarantees. The you know, do we carry on with the the naval mission in the region? And, and there's there's a lot of kind of like implications there for a kind of like that sort of return to you know normality, so to speak, and how long that takes. And then you know, does this impact you know prices in in the longer term when when countries and regions are trying to reduce you know, interest rates um, because of inflationary pressures. So, you know, that's a, that's a big sort of thing to be looking at. Well, and if you, if you scale it up, I mean, look, we, this is a year of elections around the world, you know, mm. elections mean politicians, discussions, policy discussions, potential policy shifts. And in the midst of all this, you have multiple crises going on around the world. I mean, it is a, it is a terrible card game or a terrible house of cards or a domino <laughs> game or whatever you yeah. want to say in terms of like, yeah. you know, these little things and then the effects of them that, again, you're right. Like it happens now, even if it curves, it doesn't mean we won't feel it, you know, play out in, in the business world. You know, we won't, yeah. you know, we'll continue to hear about this on Bloomberg, CNBC, Wall Street Journal, all those other places we see rates and things rise as a result of, you know, uh, shipping issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and then, you know, the reduction in that traffic through the Suez Canal has been particularly bad for, for Egypt, obviously, you know, yeah. re- reducing their income quite significantly. And, you know, they've got some, you know, foreign currency availability problems, pressure on their own domestic currency. They were increasing prices. Um, you know, and, and Egypt is a country that imports a lot of food. Uh, wheat in particular, that's what, you know, wheat prices have already gone, been, you know, rocky because mm-hmm. of what's been happening with Russia and Ukraine. Um, you know, and, and so this is, you know, a real negative indicator for Egypt, really, for, for domestic unrest, I think. Um, well, they can't I mean, stabilize. And the conversation we had at dinner a couple of weeks ago around this kind of started around, you know, you and I are people at Review of the Arab Spring. And one of the factors that you pointed out years ago around that was was around some food issues and, mm. and food crisis. And we see that again. I don't think this is you and I saying Arab Spring 2.0 by any means. <laughs> but I mean, just the long-term locations, like the smallest things have yeah. combined, end up having a, a large a large effect. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Ross, what, like, one of the things... I am always like I'm triggers, indicators, signposts, you know, forecasting. I, I don't like to use the word prediction. I got that from you. We use, we like to forecast. I mean, 
what are the triggers and indicators that you're looking at, you know, that you that you might share that you're you're looking at for for customers and clients? I mean, how what should people be thinking about here? Well, you know, I think the a, a vessel being sunk in the Red Sea, you know, I think that would be that would certainly be something to look out for. You know, we haven't seen anything to be be damaged, you know, commercial vessel being damaged that that badly uh, yet. Um, also, you know, potentially, you know, sinking a Navy vessel might be a bit more extreme and, and maybe slightly less likely. But the, but those those would sort of force again the US to sort of maybe step up its retaliation and and especially now where we're seeing those DIA reports of increased you know advanced Iranian weaponry you know be, mm-hmm. it, it becomes a thing of like you know it becomes a sort of pathway to at what point does the US have to kind of like more specifically start targeting Iran uh, in the region um, and you know if we we ended up with kind of I don't know more U.S. casualties um, from you know Iranian proxy attacks, or mm-hmm. you know Houthis kind of expand attacks beyond shipping, you know start to kind of look at U.S. military assets in the region as well, um, you know maybe look at Saudi, the UAE, that that kind of thing. You know if we started seeing an expansion expansion of that activity, I think you know they're the kind of things we'd be looking at in terms of an escalation. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate that because oftentimes in these things, you know, as you and I have done in the many times in the past, like, great, these are happening. How do we figure out what the monitoring, you know, like, what do we monitor for? What do we yeah. monitor against? You know, how do we, you know, because at some point you need to go to a decision maker or somebody up the chain who wants to understand, like, how are we affected? What should we be thinking about? So I, I appreciate yeah. you, uh, you taking yeah, time and, um, going through this with us yeah Um, and there's that big big thing isn't there of when when you're in an organization we're working with clients i mean doing that so what you know so what's the client from all this is some of those broader indicators and that i've I've given a you know that's fine but it's you know it's like how do you understand what your organization or your clients operations are in the region um and and how they might be impacted is is really kind of where you want to go next on those yeah, for sure. I mean, always when you, you see the issue, you do have to ask, them, so what to us? Yeah. But then there's, but I, I believe sometimes you have to drill down on that as well. Like, so what to us? And then click down a couple, so what? Because there could be some devil in the details that you're unaware of. You know, what is your supply chain? Mm. You know, hey, I, you know, I, you know, I make, uh, uh, I make action figures. Great. Where does your supply chain come through? Where do you, you know, where, are the places in this that you might be able to look and predict, you know, issues could be an increase in, in, you know, joints for your action figure. It could be an increase in, you know, where the plastic comes from or, or, or whatnot. But I, I always appreciate your, uh, your tutelage when (laughs) we have a cacophony of issues to deal with. Um, Ross, I know insight forward does the pestle and mortar, which I think is an amazing newsletter. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and also how people can subscribe and, and find that. Uh, yeah, that, so actually we, we're quite active, uh, particularly on our LinkedIn page. We, we provide Very active. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we like to, uh, we like to post on there. We do a lot of, 
what we think are good intelligence requirements that we, sh- we should be asking. We post those uh, just to try and kind of get the conversation going about, okay, you know, what are the key questions to ask about the, these kinds of, you know, risks or threats we're facing. Uh, we do a lot of reading lists, uh, recommended yep. reading or suggested reading, and then and then uh, the odd short article and, and Pestle and Mortar is our uh, kind of weekly newsletter, you know, summarizing some of what we think the key geopolitical developments are. Uh, globally, you can you can get it on our website, or you can sign up yes. and and get it by email. And I would say the the intelligence requirements that you guys put out in terms of like the those infographics. Uh, I know I'm dating myself with that with that <laughs> word, but I think is important and vital because a lot of people I think it, that becomes a problem area for the how do I start? So I appreciate that you and the team are putting those out to say, hey, look, here you go. If you don't know where to start will help you. Um, yeah. And that's, of course, that's, that's free of use. So I think anyone listening, uh, you can find, yeah, you can find Ross out on LinkedIn and, and follow the pestle and mortar and all. I mean, I have the, the latest one, I think you about uh, Chinese population, again, downloaded for my plane flight home tonight. So I appreciate that. Yeah, populations. Uh, are really, Ross? That's a really interesting thing, because that'd be another whole podcast. Oh, I know. <laughs> and if we only if we if, we only had an hour plus podcast. <laughs> we would dig into these things so much more, my friend. Ross, I really appreciate you taking time to kind of walk us through a complex issue and what we should think about um, with this with this crisis in the Red Sea and, and the implications to the organizations. I really appreciate it, mate. Uh, no, thanks, Chuck. I really enjoyed being on. And uh, yeah, hope to join you again soon. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co backslash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monteverde Ride, and it was written by Brian Bristow and performed by the Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co backslash center for more information. Thanks for listening.